Well, hello and welcome back to the Book Crossed Lovers, your book lovers podcast by two lovers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Megan. And today is season one, episode six of our deep dive through Sarah J. Mass uh, Throne of Glass. Woohoo. We're, it's getting good, guys. Yeah, we're over halfway through mm-hmm. this season, which is crazy. I feel like it's taken us a long time to record these, but that's okay. It will be coming out weekly. Yeah, but I think the story is getting really good. Yeah. And I think with each passing episode, just, I mean, a little bit behind the curtain is we feel more and more comfortable as we're recording these. And uh, because it's a new adventure for us. And and again, we love the banter that we get to have back and forth Mm -hmm. and... And everything, but it is. The story is getting good. We feel like we're getting a bit better at this. And this shows just, I think, have that much more energy. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm excited to get into episode six. Yeah. So um, starting with chapter 25, mm-hmm. you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, my summary is Selena has a peculiar dream and wakes up with a new task. In addition to winning the King's Champion, or the King's Competition. Yeah, there you have it. I've entitled this chapter, The Past Calls. Oh, I guess that's appropriate. There you have it. Yeah. And it really does, like, bleed straight from where we would have left off from 24. Yeah. Because we're on the night of the feast. The The day of, yeah, celebrating Samhain. Yeah. There was a lot that had already happened. It right. feels like in the lead up to that, there was a temple service. Yeah. And um, she had uncovered this like new this passage, passage yeah. in her room and she goes exploring several areas. She finds mm-hmm. a potential escape route. Yeah. Finds a way to spy in, uh, on, the, on the feast or yep. on the ballroom and kind of does that whole bit. And then she's... I guess she's returned back to her room. and Yeah. And we cannot forget the two boys in her life have visited yes. her in the night. Yeah, that little triangle yes. definitely had its time Yeah, so this night. Dorian came and was literally just staring at her sleeping on the bed. And then mm-hmm. Kale found him staring at her. None too happy. No. Nonplussed. Kicked him out and then gave her a ring because mm-hmm. he had promised to bring her something from the yeah. feast. Like righteous anger or jealous anger? <laughs> Both. 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 So yeah, that's where it kind of, it just picks up. Yeah. It kind of goes from so there. So Selena actually goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so chapter 25 kind of picks up there. Um, it just says Selena dreamt. And so this Always first part, dreaming. I know she's very vivid dreams. So do I. So I kind of relate to that. But um. This dream specifically has her walking back down in the passageways um, that she found earlier in the night. And if you'll remember, they she did not choose to go down the passage on the right because there were voices and there was like a wind pushing her that way. And so she ended up like going the opposite way. But in this dream, she ends up going to the right. Um, there's a smell of roses and she ends up at this, I guess, tomb like room Mm -hmm. and we call it a tomb because there are two like sarcophagi in the middle of the room 
that depict these two individuals. They have crowns on their heads, so she's assuming they're a king and a queen of some sort. Um, and at first, like, she's, like, this might be a forbidden place. Um, she's like, I don't know if I should be here. Um, and then once she steps into the room, she kind of sees, like, this is actually a very thought out place. Like this, this ground has these, like the night sky carved into it and the ceiling depicts the earth. And she notices as well that there's a ton of word marks all over the walls and the ceiling and the floor. Um, and like the, it, it says it's like word marks within word marks. So each of these like marks are made made up or like are making up a bigger picture of things almost like it's almost like written language or a story or something is going on because they're all interwoven and not just in isolation as she's seen them before right out by the clock tower so yeah there's lots of imagery in this dream which is a note that I made, like you have some vivid dreams, yeah. girl, because she does. <laughs> you have all these details, which we may find out that it was a little bit more than a dream later yeah. on, but just a lot of, of imagery. She, she picks out details about the, the handsome, um, man that mm-hmm. is in, in within the tomb and then the woman as well. And she picks out that they're royalty. She's trying to find out, well, which queen are you? And everything, and I, this this one bit just really stood out to me. There was lots that did, yeah. But um, it says it was cold and hard as a statue should be. Which queen were you? She said aloud, her voice reverberating through the still chamber. She ran a hand across the lips, then across the brow, and her eyes narrowed. A mark was faintly carved into the surface, practically invisible to the eye. It goes on and unpacks a little bit more detail, but. We have already seen um, it because there's ends up being a word mark that yeah. is like on her brow, on the queen's brow. Yeah. And we've already seen Nehemia in relation to word marks at the clock tower, like peering at Selena, mm-hmm. like, are you sure you, and she was to ask her, are you sure you don't know more about these word marks yeah. like there's more to you than meets the eye Lillian yeah and so I just felt like it was a really interesting piece that it was in the same spot and like there seems like there's dots connect to be connected there sure but anyways that's what stood out to me yeah um she ends up f- like putting together because she notices like on the statues that the queen has the fey ears, the pointed uh-huh. ears. Yes. And she knows her history. Mm-hmm. Good girl that she is. And she knows that there's only one female who has married into the Havillard line, which was like thousands of years ago. Um, but it was Elena Galathinius Havillard, um, which she is the daughter of Brannon. So we've, we've heard about Brannon in the first couple of chapters being this king of Terrasin. And then we have Oakwald forest, which is Brandon's forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we hear about Elena, mm-hmm. who is his daughter. 
um, that ended up marrying Gavin Havilliard, um, who was the first king of Al- Adderlin. Right, and so she and she's the last Fay to have married. Yeah, and she was half Fay. She wasn't full Fay. Right, but there is that connection. Yeah, um, that she's from Terrison, mm-hmm. and and so is Selena. Right, so there's that connection. Right, and so it does make sense that she would know about Elena. Because if she's from Terrasan, like she probably would have learned that history. Right, which does she leave you up. with other questions about what, why the breakdown. I know a thousand years is a very yeah. long time, but if he, the first king of Adderlin, whether it was through true love and romance or through nation building or alliances, his first, the first queen mm-hmm. of Adderlin was from Terrasan. Yeah. Right. And was half fay. Now we fast forward and like, quote unquote, the fay are no more right. or magic has been outruled. All this purge has happened. The Havillards seem to be very anti. Yeah. That part of the country and the heritage there, which, you know, I wrote in the margins. I'm like, Dorian plus Elena equals thousand year circle. <laughs> like, anyways, we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that she notices is the sword, um, that is by Gavin's statue and it's the actual sword. It's not just a statue of the sword. Um, and she names it Damaris and she kind of gives it a history. Like it belonged to Gavin. Um, it was the sword that had slain dark Lord Erwin and it still hadn't rusted after a thousand years. So right. this is obviously like a magic sword um, of some sort of importance. Yeah. Um, so that's important. She names it out loud. And then to that we hear or she hears a woman's voice mm-hmm. talking to her. Yes. And the, here we meet Queen Elena. Yeah, Queen Elena. Woohoo. In the middle of a dream. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. And so Selena is obviously very startled to find someone also down here in this tomb. Um, and then she puts it together who it is pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, she asks if she's a ghost and she's like, mm, kind of not really. So she's like this ghost, not ghost of Elena. And this is on Samhain of all nights. So there is like a little bit of, to me, I was reading, I was like, is it because the lines between... The land of the living and the land of the dead are like razor thin this right. night. Yeah. Or is it just this dream? Is there another magical power at play or whatever? Right. But I don't know. The irony wasn't lost on me. Sure. Um, but then she's a little bit like, I don't know, ominous. She says, I've risked much coming here tonight. And we're like, yeah. what the heck does that mean? We don't find out. Um, and then... Um, she mentions the guardians, which are the gargoyles on the clock tower. Selena had already picked those out as like... Yeah. And is there like a whole lot of, I don't know, exposition or explanation on the guardians of what exactly um, in this? Because they, it the says, guardians of the clock tower... No, it says the they guard of, the portal between our worlds. Okay. So the spirit oh, okay. world and the real world, I guess. So there is a physical... And like metaphysical 
yeah. guardian thing going on because the gargoyles actually exist on the clock tower. Right. But they are, I, I suppose, like Elena, also operating in this other layer of things. Right. Um, I don't know. You know more than I do. I do. But <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Sure. We will find out about those more in books but to that's come. But uh, that's also a really big reveal about they're, they're the guardians of the portal between our worlds. Yeah. Because you're dealing with a fantasy yeah. world mm-hmm. and you just expose or open up the idea that there are multiple layers. There are multiple yeah. worlds at play here. Yeah. Whether that's past and present or future or just different dimensions, Sarah J. Mass just revealed like there yeah, are this chapter worlds. this chapter is really big in um developing the depth of this story because at this point it's been pretty surface level, like there's this competition you have to win. Mm-hmm. And Elena and we'll find out just like reveals that there's so much more going on than just the competition. Um, she gets pretty deep pretty quickly. She says, nothing is coincidence. Everything has a purpose. You are meant to come to this castle just as you are meant to be an assassin to learn the skills necessary for survival. She says, something evil dwells in this castle, something wicked enough to make the stars quake. Its malice echoes into all worlds. You must stop it. Forget your friendships. Forget your debts and oaths. Destroy it before it is too late, before a portal is ripped open so wide that there can be no undoing it. You must win this competition and become the king's champion. You understand the people's plight. Aurelia needs you as the king's champion. So, like, (laughs) she just, like, dropped a bomb on Selena because... She goes into this, like, there's this evil in the castle. And we could probably, like, as a reader, already guess that there is some kind of evil because of all of the murders that are happening. And not only that they're murders, but there's, like, they're grotesque as well. Um, The way that these people are being killed. But then this, like, definitely confirms a new conflict in the story, right? Where... Selena is now being charged to not only win the competition because she understands the people of Aurelia like mm-hmm. deeper than most anybody because she's been a slave. Yeah. Um, but she's also called to overcome whatever evil this is in the castle. And that's like <laughs> terrifying in my opinion. And I know Selena's like really brave and has defeated a lot and overcome a lot in her short life of 18 years, but still, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. There's this point before Elena starts unpacking the the whole something evil dwells in this castle that Selena is, she gets kind of amped up. Obviously, she's having this kind of -of out-of-body experience in this dream, but mm-hmm. she's aware of how she's feeling in the dream. Yeah. And it just says the nausea returned. She hoped Elena mm. wouldn't speak of what her heart refused to remember. Hoped mm. that the queen wouldn't mention what she had spent so long forgetting. Yeah. And I just was, I just kind of wrote like her past, who she is, like question marks, question marks, question marks in the margin because she has this suppressed past 
And yeah. we've seen that with, with live characters. I don't want to go there. I don't want to unpack that. I don't want to talk about so-and-so. Yeah. Like her history. Right. And you never really get a chance to, to figure out any more of what Selena was worried about because Elena she then bring that just starts going and, and saying, yeah. like, here is the deal. And just, this is just some... I love, I mean, books are, are so wonderful because you get to read everything that the author wants to tell you right. in that moment. And then your mind's imagination can just put it in your mind's eye and just let it run. But there is just such a cool, like, if you could see this on the big screen yeah, and like hear the sounds and like the tension of the moment, mm-hmm. because you could spend however much time you wanted reading this chapter, but you know that in real time it's happening so fast. Right. And she's like, she tells her, Elena tells Selena, you were led here, but not by me. I was also led here too. Someone wants you to learn. Someone wants you to see. Yeah. And then she's interrupted by this growl and you're like, wait, the guardians, they're coming. Ah. What is happening? It just gets very intense. Yeah. And you're like, it's in a dream though. But you as a reader are like, this is not a dream. Yeah, it's definitely real. Yeah. And so I just felt like this was really fun to also read and kind of, Mm -hmm. it's one of those moments where you are engaged as the reader. Yeah. It's not kind of passive reading. You're like, what's going to happen? Like, keep going, keep going. you, right? Yeah, so when she he- hears this growl, um, Elena, like she's touching Selena as well. So we know that she's real on some level because Elena can feel her touch. Like when she puts her hand on her arms or kisses her forehead or whatever. But before she tells her to leave because of whatever these guardians or whatever is going on with the growling, she says, courage of the heart is very rare. Let it guide you. I just think that's sweet. So life. I know. It's yeah. so good. But I think that also says like just that interaction, like obviously Elena is having this conversation with Selena because Selena is important in some way, right? She being Elena thinks that Selena is able to overcome the evil like she believes in her yeah but beyond that like having a queen but even having somebody like older than you putting their hands on your shoulder kissing your forehead and like saying something that deep to you like I feel like there is something deeper than just like yeah I believe that you're able to do this right um it feels like a little more intimate I don't know Mm mm-hmm no, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I think when you have that calling by by someone else of, of greater significance, you feel, well, you treat it with like reverence. Like there's yeah. a heaviness to it, but also a little bit of empowerment behind that as well. Yeah. And um, yeah. It all happens really fast right there. Yeah. And then she had told her to run because you could, she could hear and feel the howl, uh, sorry, excuse me, the howl and the, um, the growling getting closer. Mm -hmm. And before she had like 
sent Selena away, Elena gave her this like necklace, put yeah. it in her hand. Right, 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 right. Which is important. We just skipped over that part. Um, no, but it's it is very important. Yeah. Because it's another like physical object. It's a, yeah, it's another physical object in this dream. Right. But it's a physical object. And so Selena has to turn and run and she's got to go. She's got to go. She's got to go. And she's got to make it. it. Says Selena hurtled into the room and saw only her bed before everything went dark. Yeah. But that's in the dream. Right. Because then she wakes up from the dream, nightmare, whatever you want to call this thing, yeah. revelation. And she's like, oh my goodness, what in the world was that? She's yeah. out of breath. She's like, Flushed. We've all had yeah. those dreams before where you're like experiencing the thing in the dream. You're like, yeah. oh my goodness, I'm so sad right now. Like you have a physical reaction. I felt really sad in oh that my dream. Gosh. Or do you remember? You feel exhilarated because you were running or whatever. Yeah. What? I was just saying, do you remember when I woke up crying in the middle of the night because of a dream I had? Yeah. That you had died? It's terrible. It was so bad. It was so bad. I've never felt anything so real. From a dream from before. A dream. But yeah, we all have those types of dreams. It was awful. Where the, you could even be like kind of like you were ramped up so much that your heart was kind of racing because you yeah. were running or it was just really And intense. you like feel how... Yeah. So yeah. she has that same sensation, but then has confirmation in short order that, wait a minute, yeah. this was real. Because she, she has the amulet. She has the necklace, the amulet. And there were just, there's all these little details. There's things that... I want answers to that that I can't get because they're just not in here. Yeah. And they're not in this chapter. Do you have a question? Not. Maybe I can there's, answer. Well, it's Maybe. there's a blue gem in the the necklace. Okay. Yep. And when I read that, I instantly underlined it and I uh, just wrote eye color question mark. But then the sentence continues and it says, they gave the center of the amulet the appearance of an eye. So I'm like, okay, there's this eye thing going on and there's black eyes and there's these really blue, like blue, like sapphire eyes that are showing up when people and this amulet has a really blue eye like thing going on. So to me, yeah, that's just, that's a thing. I'm also curious about Gavin. I don't know if Gavin's like an, a, a loose end that never comes back up. I just, I don't know. Yeah. But he, in the middle of the dream, I, I was like, is Gavin distracting the gargoyles? Is he kind of mm. fighting them? Yeah. Is he not even in the same state that Elena is in with mm -hmm. this whole spirit ghost, not spirit ghost thing? Mm -hmm. She is, she is covered in moonlight and he is in darkness mm -hmm. in the tomb. And and there is like this, this the ceiling is the earth and trees and the ground is the stars mm -hmm. and there's word marks everywhere so there's kind of this like upside down everything is reversed and flipped type yeah. of thing and I was like, are did what happened with what is Gavin and Elena's story? Mm -hmm. were, did, were, were they like star-crossed lovers and it didn't mm -hmm. work out and there's like a darkness and light dynamic mm -hmm. or are they like together and mm -hmm. he, they're like in this spirit world kind of duking it out with the things that of the darkness or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, 
I don't know, man. There's just answers that I don't have. Yeah, you will get those answers. That's good to know. Um, Fun fact, when you were talking about the eye, or mm-hmm. the eye, the... The, the amulet. amulet that you refer to as an eye, um, like a, with the blue gem. Um, it reminded me, and those of you, you haven't read this book, so it's fine. But for those of you listening who have read Akatar, it reminds me of the blue gem that the priestesses wear that actually have a similar function to this amulet, which I'm just now putting together in my brain as you're talking about that. So I wonder if those are connected in some way. I have not heard a theory on that. And I wonder if I just mean one up. I'm so bad at theories with like <laughs> the mass verse or whatever, but okay, yeah. Wow. There you go. Well, I guess I'm making connections. There's an end that you haven't tied off yet then. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. So Selena, so Selena does wake up. She realizes yes. this was Back more story. than a dream. I actually have this amulet necklace. She does find some comfort in it. Mm-hmm. She holds on to it. And she ends up putting she, it on. Yeah, I'm she ends sure. up putting it on. Um, and then she's wrestling with like, okay, a few hours ago, I was almost getting in a boat and like escaping yeah. from the middle <laughs> tunnel. But now there is an existential threat. Mm-hmm. There is this evil supposedly in the castle and she kind of even wrestles with like, well, maybe I could let it get Kane or the Duke or whatever. Yeah. But then she lists off like, but if something were to happen to Nehemia or right. Kale or Dorian, like I can't let that happen. Like, she, so she starts to wrestle with the calling that she just received. Yeah. Um, and you get the feeling like, okay, she's going to, she has to fight this out or stick around and try. Yeah. Because that's, she has to. And um, so, and she also makes note, I guess, some similar, or th- some things out of order, but yeah. she also notices from the, her room, like, wait a minute, that tapestry. Yep. There is Elena right there on the tapestry. Yeah, it was like a, a marker. Clever mark yeah. for, the, the for the tomb, way. for the passage, yeah. So lots of cool like Easter egg story Which seems, reveals, yeah, story build things in this It chapter. seems interesting like if we know that Elena and Gavin are thousands of years old from like where they are in history at this point. That tapestry has been there for how long? Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Anyways, yeah. So Selena basically just says the least she could do is look in the tomb for some clues mm-hmm. about like more. So, which is crazy to me that like she just went through that experience of these like howling, growling creatures that she doesn't even know what they are. And she just experienced an interaction with this ghost, not ghost. And she's just going to go back down there. I would never. Yep. I would never. Well, I'd be I like, would no. would be like, I just want a new room. <laughs> yeah. Which she would not get a new room because she has an escape route. Sure. But I would not go down there again yeah. out of my own free will. Mm. That's fair. Anyways. I don't think a lot of people would. 
But then chapter closes, the phantom breeze blowed through her room, smelling of roses. So this phantom breeze and the roses yeah. keep coming up. Um, it was a long while before Selena slipped into an uneasy sleep. Dun, dun, dun. There you have it. Chapter 25, loaded, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah. New conflict. And that's it. Let's move on. Yeah, moving on. Chapter 26. Um, you want to get us started with the, with the chapter summary? Sure. Summary is another champion's murder has everyone on edge. Yes, on edge. How fitting. Because I have entitled chapter 26, On Edge and Uncertain. There you go. Yeah. Some good stuff in this chapter. Not nearly as, I, I think, deep no. and revealing, obviously, as, as our, our previous chapter, chapter 25, was. Um, but we do get some actual dialogue that's important in here. Yep. And um, also you get to see kind of the mentality. You, you pointed out everybody's on edge. Yeah. We get to see that in the way that people's dialogue is, yeah. but also kind of their inner right. monologue yeah. is. You just kind of feel some of that rising tension along with this rising action. Absolutely. Thank you for those. You're so welcome. Um, English words. English okay. words. <laughs> um, all right. So Kale just loves waking up Selena. He barges into her room um, and demands to know where she was last night as if he doesn't already know. Yeah, he's like straight back into duty mode. I know. It's like literally you just gave her a ring and you came into her her room in the middle of the night. Yeah, he's so torn up about it all. He doesn't even know how to act. <laughs> I don't know. But he like is accusing her of not being where she was supposed to be even though he found her sleeping on her bed. And obviously, as readers, we know she wasn't where she was supposed to be. But he doesn't know that. So how dare he accuse her? True. But I, <laughs> I do think it's like classic overcompensation. Yeah. He knows where he was. He knows where she was. But he's wrestling with everything that's going on yeah. in his head. So then he feels like he's got to snap back in to captain of the guard mode. And there is a reason. Yeah. We find out that somebody, another champion was murdered. Right. So he is like freaking out because yes, like he has to figure out who is doing all of these killings, but also he made a decision last night, Mm -hmm. whatever that decision was in his mind to like give Selena that ring. So, right. But, and he also is, I don't think, we're speculating here, but I don't think that he believes that it is Selena, but he's also no. in his job. He's like, I've got to figure out who this is. Yeah. And, and he to be wants fair, her like safe, but also needs to rule her out. Yeah. You like know, officially. At the same time. Right. Um, because he knows that she is like deadly. Yeah. She's at large and she wasn't at the, the feast. Right. And, and all of that. So. Yeah, and so she is like, I thought we had a test this morning, and it was canceled because of the champion's murder. And then she's like, well, I didn't do it. And he said, well, I hope not. The body was half eaten. And she's like, why do you think that I did it then? Which is like, again, come on, Kale. Yeah, it comes off. You need to settle down. Yeah, you just don't want me out there because you don't want it to be me. Yeah. Getting half eaten. 
I think he's just overreacting. Yeah, he is overreacting. But anyways, that's okay. But yeah, I guess you have another competitor down, so there's no need for another test today. So yeah. there you have it. <laughs> yeah, so they kind of banter back and forth, um, or Selena does. She like plays it cool, um, which I think she does a lot. She like puts on a facade when things get kind of tense to make everybody like it seem that she isn't um, affected as much as everyone else, which is thematic throughout these series. But um, anyways, Kale still asks her where she was last night. Like mm-hmm. again, even though he just, just tell said me plainly, where were you last night? <laughs> and she's right. like, I was here mm-hmm. and you can vouch for me. Right. Yep. And Kale like blushes and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And she <laughs> says the, the, that you can go to the king and vouch for me. Yeah. Like put you in your place. Sassy, yep. sassy, sassy. I know she is. Sassy Selena. Anyways, she then is like, okay, well, I'm going to celebrate by sleeping in so you can leave. Yeah, Which is a lie. She's pretty emboldened though around Kale at this point. Yeah. Please get out. <laughs> she kind of commands him and I know. things like that. I know, but he is very commanding of her a lot as well. Yeah. They do she that. also like sees his eyes. Like I don't know if his eyes are brown. Are they golden brown? <laughs> what what kind of brown are we dealing with a hybrid situation? What is the deal? Because <laughs> later in this chapter, it's noted that. that his eyes are brown. But when it's Selena looking into his eyes, they're golden brown. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody else out there gets frustrated by people's perception of other people's eyes in this story. No, I think it's because she, no, I think it's because like when you care about someone, you are looking more at the details. Like you can look or you can tell people like what my eyes look like, right? Because you look into my eyes deeper than anybody else. Sure. So maybe that's the same way for Selena. So Selena cares more about Kale than Dorian does. Because (laughs) Dorian sees Kale and says, or doesn't say, but observes the captain's brown eyes. (laughs) Anyways, it's it's frustrating to me. Well, I would hope that Dorian doesn't look into Kale's eyes deeply, You know, to be honest. Anyways... So she's lying because she's planning on going back into the tomb to look for clues, especially now that somebody else has been eaten in italics. And um, yeah, so she heads that way. Mm-hmm. And she has some cover because now they're preoccupied with yeah, so she the knows murder and investigating all this. She's got some time on her hands. Yeah. So I'm going to go try to poke around and find some more answers. Which doesn't prove to be all that fruitful. No, it doesn't. Um, she finds, she goes back down there, um, notices that although it is deep underground, there is like a tunnel of light. Like, oh shoot. What is it called again? We just had this conversation. Oh, the skylight. The skylight, not yeah. a sunroof. <laughs> yeah, it's a sunroof in the tomb, you know? <laughs> Yeah, there's a, a skylight, skylight, like very intentionally engineered. Yeah. 
to be this way. And I guess I don't really know like where the glass castle comes into the whole construction of everything. I don't but know. But whenever either. the stone castle was built with this tomb mm-hmm. where the king and queen are laid to rest, mm-hmm. like that was very intentional. Yeah. Construction with this golden inlay so that the light reflects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And could reach the final resting place for Elena. Yeah. Um, anyways, basically they, she doesn't find anything. There's not like anything really important in this, in my opinion, did you find something important other than no, I I do. There is just a little bit more of the connection there. She even questions like, why would Elena not go to somebody else that's here? You know, why not go to Dorian? Why not go to a Nehemia? Why mm-hmm. not go to a Kale or somebody else? It's got to be me, because but I'm not even from here. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so I wrote in the margins, like, they well, they have similar names. There is that. I don't know if they get into, like, name meanings later in the mm-hmm. story. They're both from Terrison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a lot of history that we don't know about Selena. Also, what just hit me is that we did not talk about this in Chapter 25 and I think it was a bigger deal, was inscribed at the foot of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elena's tomb or her sarcophagus was the inscription, ah, times rift. Mm-hmm. And the capital is called Rifthold. Mm-hmm. And I think of a rift being like a, a rip or a, or a, you know, a displacement mm-hmm. of something. Yeah. And it's called the Rifthold. Rift hold, <laughs> and then we're, it says times rift, right? Like a rip in time, uh, a ripple in time. Yep. She's talking about portals and worlds. Yeah, like this is on the nose. I love your mind. So I married you. We didn't you. talk about that. We didn't in chapter twenty-five. But there's not a lot of Selena answers. Selena goes back about to the either. tomb. Doesn't find a lot of answers, but there is. Again, she's wrestling with that connection mm-hmm. of. Elena called me. Yep. To do this. Oh, okay. Yeah. She called me. Yeah. So at this point, because she didn't find any answers, she's like, well, I'm going to focus on becoming the king's champion yeah, because I was going to do that anyway. And maybe after she won, she can look into more of the evil stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's fewer and fewer competitors. Yeah. I mean, they're dropping. With every test, and now it seems like every week or so, somebody's dying. Yeah. So they're getting closer to these duels. Yeah. And they know that there's going to be four of them. So there you have it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So later on in the day, not that much later, um, she had asked her guards to escort her to the library because she has decided to do some research on word marks and kind of see if she can figure out the history behind those, um, et cetera. And on her way, she runs in to Xavier's body, which has not yet been moved, which I thought was very weird. Just like thinking like, how long do they need to leave mm-hmm. an eaten body in the hallway? I don't know. Yeah, what, what all goes into the crime scene investigation here? Yeah, and I'm not one for crime scene shows or right. mysteries. Like, I am a pretty sensitive person, so I don't get into that. So maybe they do have to leave it in for mm-hmm. 
a while, but I was just like, well, that's a long time to leave a dead body right. there. But <laughs> for I, I guess as far as her encounter with the crime scene yeah. and, and with the body, we do get some details about this murder right. and potentially some of the other murders that have been going on. Yeah. His chest cavity was split open. Uh, Vital organs have been removed. Um, you can tell. She deduces this is not an accident. No. Nope. This wasn't like, ooh, some two drunken like people got in a got fight, in a fight yeah. and then somebody died. This was brutal murder. She even uses the word ritualistic because there are word marks at the murder scene that have been kind of like smeared in blood right or like written in blood correct is that what you got yeah from that and so she's like this is very much not accidental but it, right. it even has this kind of spiritual or ritualistic element to it because now you have this dead language being like used and symbolized yeah. yeah around the murder this is some crazy stuff yeah and it's also disgusting you right. mentioned his like vital organs being gone, including his brain. Like there was a hole in his head and his brain had is gone. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. Yeah. Um, and also why? <laughs> yeah, why does someone weird, need their brain? I don't understand. Weird blood magic, something crazy is going yeah. on. Anyways, it's disgusting. And then she reflects on like, Kale thought I did this, really? Like if yeah. I wanted to take out the champions, it would be clean and easy, yeah, not gruesome like mode. this. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and then she is walking past to get to the library, and she sees Grave, who is another competitor, one of the other assassins. He's laughing, uh, which I think is also just horrible and just, I don't know. It's disgusting, in my opinion. And she, he says, such a pity, and shrugged as she passed him. Yeah. And... Seeing it from the competitor's point of view, I guess, just really calloused. Another one's gone. It's too bad. I guess. But still, like, to be laughing at somebody's death is just not right. Yeah. I don't know. We don't have good humans in this competition. I guess you're right. Largely speaking. But it does mention like she, it says she should think whatever grim God had decided to end Xavier's life. But for some reason she couldn't. Yeah. Because she knows it's evil and also she's not a bad person. Yeah. Deep down. Something is very unsettling about what is happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll get a little POV switch. Yeah. To Dorian. Mm -hmm. Um, Dorian and Kale are sparring. Um, doing some sort of training because I think both of them are stressed out because of what's been going on. Yeah. Um, Dorian, it seems, hasn't been practicing for a while because he prefers to read books. Yeah. And maybe just does hasn't made the time for it. Yeah. Just lots maybe of it's as politicking as going on as well. Yeah, because he does say or mentions it's it was long ago that they were actually of even skill. Yeah. So it's just the disciplines that I think have been kind of thrust upon the two of them. Sure. Um, different duties. Yeah, they they definitely have different roles. So, anyways, um, so as they are 
training or sparring together, they're talking about a couple different things, one of them being Selena. Of course. Of course. They have bones to pick with each other. I know. And I do. I like how they don't just like brush it under the rug and don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like and, they, but they also don't throw down like in very sassy or even like really hurtful kind of ways. Well, honestly, I don't think either of them want to admit how they actually feel about her. Yeah. So they're not going to be like forthright with like her specifically, Mm -hmm. I don't think. But he does ask him in a logical way, like, hey, Dorian, what are you doing at an assassin's room in the middle of the night? That's not smart. And we know as a reader, like probably Kale is a little bit jealous and his, his question is deeper than just like, why right, are you in an on assassin's the surface, room? But yeah. also has some jealousy. Right. That's masking it. Right. And or then, that's beneath the mask, I should say. Yeah. And then Dorian kind of, he's like, it's not what you think. I don't spend my nights with her. I've only seen her one time. And then Dorian asks Kale, what about it. you? Like yeah, you were also there in the middle of the night last night. Which we talked about last episode, like, while Kill had a legitimate reason to be there, he just doesn't use it (laughs) as a reason. Yeah, he kind of was way out of sorts and flustered in the moment, but he absolutely is captain of the guard and the trainer for that champion. Right. So has kind of the go-ahead green light to, I'm checking on things, making sure she's where she's supposed to be. She was one of the only, like champions that wasn't at the actual feast right um so he didn't use that alibi he didn't, at all though. totally tripped over himself but anyways yeah and kale is like that was a cheap shot he admitted but i still want an answer wait no dorian says that to kale because kale yeah, gets he's, like he's mad probing <laughs> to figure out why did you show up after me and he notices like there's just it really unsettles him. Yeah. There's a rage in Kale's eyes and he's like, he, he eases off the gas. He's like, okay, that was cheap. Yeah. We'll move on from that. Yeah. I do want an answer though. Yeah. And Kale's like, it's just like you said, it's not what you think. So they don't, I mean, I guess I said that they're talking about it, but they're not really talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of guy surface level stuff. They don't really, Is that they talk about it, but I don't really like guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you. Well, I know that I've never about really you. I've gotten but over that phase of my life. Yeah, you it don't just, have boy talk mm, with really. anyone. This, yep. Yeah. And honestly, with the, with the with the different girl dynamics in my life, I just have enough. I just have enough on my plate. <laughs> don't need to have the guys there. And if I ever need guys, I can just turn on the TV and watch sports. Yeah, but, or uh, your podcasts. You know, you yes. have a conversation, a one-way conversation. Yeah, one-way with them. Conver- I get to listen, and then if I if I need to <laughs> process, I can just mute it and kind of monologue to myself. Oh my goodness! But uh, yeah, they don't really peel back all the layers of how they feel because I think to your point, they don't want to admit yeah how they really feel about Selena because maybe they are still wrestling with it. Yeah, but. Kale's brown eyes gleamed. 
Just, I needed to bring that up Thank because <laughs> to Selena, they're golden brown. Uh, but he he does. They do this kind of. They're physically sparring, but then they're also verbally sparring. Yeah. And now it's Kale's turn to thrust back, and he's like, "Well, how's Court going?" Yeah. Court's not going so well. No. He's like, yeah, it's that bad. And Dorian wants to shut him up about it, but um, they just kind of. They they process through some different things and but they're obviously mentally stressed. Right. Because of the well, the way that they feel for Selena that they can't talk about. Right. Even though they're best friends. They've got within their respective lanes, the competition is going on, the safety and security of the capital and of this tournament mm-hmm. is kind of at jeopardy. Then they bring up like the fact like, do you have any idea what's going on with the king? Yeah. And Dorian's like I haven't heard anything, but he's probably up to no good. It's yeah. probably something particularly nasty. But Kale kind of feels like the politic thing going too. He's like, yeah, you need to be careful. Like yeah. We all kind of need to be careful right now with yeah. what's what's going on. And the king is not here. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if you got anything else out of that, but just no. everyone's on edge. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I don't know, and this is just like, building character I think when they're having that conversation um Dorian is reflecting like taking the time this is a quote taking the time to spar with him when there was a fresh corpse in the castle was a sacrifice Dorian was surprised Kale had been willing to make Dorian knew how much his position meant to him he suddenly straight stopped and straightened Kale should be doing more important things right now and then they he like says enough stopping their training Mm -hmm. so i just think that that tells the readers that dorian really does care about kale yeah i agree with that like they like like even even before when he saw the rage in kale's eyes when he probed about why he was in selena's room he backed off and he was like yeah that was that was a cheap shot yeah so he does have this acute awareness for kale yeah so I think that's just important to know is like their relationship is at a pretty significant level as far as their friendship. And yeah, that's basically it for that chapter, I think. Yeah. You do get that last little nugget about Dorian. He had the entire tower to himself, mm-hmm. though his chambers occupied only the upper level. They provided a haven from everyone, but today they just felt empty. He's lonely. Yeah, he's lonely. He doesn't get fulfillment from Playboy. No. Playboy Dorian. Not then, anymore. No, not anymore because it's, he's it's growing a lot up. more. Yeah, gravity's pulling him. So he's got this whole Selena thing going on. Yeah. But can't really talk to anybody about it. Right. Can't even really talk to her about it right now. No. Can't talk to Kale. Can't talk to his mother. She's not even Selena to everybody. Mm-hmm. She's Lillian. Right. And she's in a competition that is not publicized. So everything is really under wraps. And now his best friend is on edge and they can't have really clear conversation yeah. or be happy for each other f- about Selena because they're not supposed to be happy about having feelings for Selena and they both have feelings so they can't talk about it. So, yeah, he feels super lonely. Yeah. I think, though, like, 
I feel like they all have that feeling in their own ways. Yes. Because Selena also feels that way, I'm sure, about like she can't, she has her best friend Nehemia now and she can't tell Nehemia anything. Yep. And she can't tell Dorian and Kale about what she saw in the tomb. She can't like talk that out with anyone. Obviously, like she's in a place where she's fighting for her freedom. So she has her own agenda that although these people care about her on some level, like it's not, she might see like it's not like super genuine because of just like who she is and what she's actually doing in the castle. I don't know. I just feel like all three of them and even Nehemia, like all of our characters have this like sort of loneliness to them. Yeah. Lonely Where together. They, fi- they are definitely finding camaraderie yeah. and friendship with one another, but they are not able to be fully transparent mm-hmm. and have full trust because of the perceptions, because of each one's identity, mm-hmm. because of each one's role. They don't, they haven't had that full moment of truth type of experience yeah. where everything's on the table. Some things are on the table, but there's a lot under the table. Um, and that makes for an interesting rub as yeah. the competition continues, as more murders are occurring, mm-hmm. you know. So we'll have to see just as we continue, what, mm-hmm. what, how does that dynamic either resolve or does yeah. it stay the same? Um, but as a reader, you're thinking, no, 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 no. We've got to have clarity yep. with all these characters and, and loose ends, whether they're in this book or not, we're, right. but we're going to have clarity coming up. But yeah. So chapter 26, not so dense in, in like big shake it up moments, no. but you definitely get to see and feel the characters in, in this, in this piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Ready to move on? Yep. Chapter 27. All right. Chapter 27 summary. Um, Selena digs deeper into the meaning and history of word marks and their connection to the murders in the castle. There you go. That Dude. was like that was relevant to my your title. Yeah, my chapter title, which is answers from the past. Ooh. Or at least she's seeking. So yeah, I like let's it. get into it. Yeah. So, um, Selena and this chapter opens with Selena and Nehemia on a afternoon walk. Um, they're kind of they're walking through the garden. Um, and I'm picturing this as like, there's like one main garden that I'm picturing as I'm reading this because it is around this like clock tower or whatever. And that keeps coming up. So it seems like that's like a normal place and like path that they're taking as they're going through these walks. Um, but they like see the gargoyles and Selena is thinking about the, the, um, the guardians that Elena had, I guess, mentioned and warned her about, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're passing that and she's just like thinking to herself about those and thinking about the word marks and she brings that up again with Nehemia and Nehemia again warns her not to look into them. Yeah. Which again, like Nehemia has claimed that she hasn't, like she doesn't know anything about word marks, but clearly she does. If she continues to tell Selena to not look into them, you know, and pretty convincingly. So she seems to have like a stiff arm up. Yeah. Every time something about that comes up, mm-hmm. um, whether it is the word marks or just this kind of intrigue with the clock tower and yeah. the guardian, she's like, "Do you think they move?" And she's like, "No, dummy, it, they're, they're stone." stone. <laughs> but but like, Selena is obviously thinking about Elena's warning yeah. about them, and they're the guardians, and yeah. So we'll. I I don't know. I'm interested to know what to what depth. Nehemia actually knows about these things, mm-hmm. but at this point, she's very much keep it at arm's length. Right. But sort of, she doesn't want to indulge Selena's interest, but mm-hmm. she wants to be around her. She wants to yeah. be with her. Yeah, they're clearly friends, um, and their their relationship and friendship is growing, and we can see that in the next, like, they change subjects, and Selena's kind of complaining about the winter and... Nehemia is like, well, you should definitely come to Eelway and try out one of the summers that we have because they're blistering hot. Mm-hmm. And Selena is like, I would love to do that. And so you can see like their their friendship really is blossoming, which is good. Um, and then they go straight into um I guess Nehemia asks Selena about the murder. The, yeah. the most recent murder, I guess. Yeah, before we like jump into oh, sorry. <laughs> that discussion, which I feel like is a, a key moment in the chapter. Yeah. It, there was that kind of invitation. She's like, yeah, I do want to see you away. Right. And she reminisces about having spent a summer in the Red Desert. Mm-hmm. And just as a little thing that has come up in a, in a previous, in previous chapters, Nehemia has this moment where she like looks... Oh, yeah. At Selena's brow. Yeah. Before saying, okay, well, then it shall be so. Like, you can come. Yeah. And, and I'll show you around. But she's like. Something weird's going many on. Many <laughs> times before, or, or it seems like several times now, she's kind of made note or focused on Selena's brow. Mm. Not her eyes, her brow. Yeah. And I don't just look at people's brows. You don't? <laughs> just looking kidding. at your brows right now <laughs> but it's just that what that happened and then yes so this th- this conversation though about the murder is kind of a key moment in the in the chapter yeah and it gets kind of descriptive yeah it is it's interesting that Nehemia is so interested in the details because like she's a princess she's a lady typically they aren't like they don't want to know all of the gory mm-hmm. things that are going on. And she on. doesn't seem like squeamish about it. No. She wants to know what exactly did you see? Her guards weren't allowed right around the the murder scene or the crime scene. And so she's actually really interested in like the description because mm-hmm. Selena actually does have some insight about it. Yeah, she saw them. Um and so Selena tells her about what she saw there was blood smeared everywhere and she mentioned that there were word marks painted around the body 
um, and on the walls and most of them had been rubbed away and that the, there's the body was missing vital organs mm-hmm. and like all of that nasty stuff. And, um, Nehemia asked her to keep going, like keep telling her details and asks what else was missing. And I thought that was interesting that she asked what else was missing. Like she knew something else was missing, you know, like you don't just ask that question. Yeah. That's kind of, in, I hadn't thought of it from, from that point of view. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that Nehemia knows way more than she's leading on. Okay. Yeah, I just hadn't thought of it from that perspective because she has been distancing herself from the word marks and kind of the mm-hmm. mysticism around that, even right. though from the outset she knows what they are and it's kind of implied she, that she knows about them or knows how to read them, detect them. Mm-hmm. But now that these murders are happening, word marks is now a hot word. And it just comes up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, her asking that specific question, what else was missing, kind of, I mean, it tells the reader that she almost anticipated that there was more to yeah. describe, that there was more missing. Yeah, and there was, like his brain was gone because there was a hole in his head and his brain was gone. And her response to that is she just nodded and looked away. <laughs> it's like, okay. Brutal. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and so Selena takes her kind of silence um, as if Nehemia was upset by that, um, but Nehemia wasn't. And then they run into Kane and Varen. Yeah, they just kind of sneak up, mm-hmm. all and, suspicious-like, and yeah. interrupt them. Yeah, and so this interaction is telling because Kane is basically antagonizing Selena. Yeah, very much so. Um, and calling her out for who she actually is and that letting Selena know that Kane knows her true identity. Um yeah. which is not great because the whole reason that Selena's like been holding back in the competition is because Kale and Dorian don't think people should know who she actually is. Right. Um, and it's part of the strategy. Yeah. To play the middle of the road and then emerge victorious in this. And the way that Kane is antagonizing her is like the we both know the truth. Right. Right. But and it's also playing Nehemia on the outside of it. Yeah. Like, right. Because he's calling her Lillian and he doesn't come right out and spill the truth mm-hmm. of it but he's he's just um pushing that button right for selena and uh i mean i think there's also some good trash talk in there like she's she just wants to get at him yeah and i also had the question like where are their guards like nehemia's guards seem to be very on the ball right protective of her so mm-hmm. i don't know if They've just become a little bit more relaxed as Maybe. she's like been more, around for a while. Yeah, or they like know Selena's ability to protect herself and maybe Nehemia as well. Yeah. Because man. they've been train training together, right? Yeah. So her guards surely have seen Selena's talent there. Yeah, but they don't know 
who Selena is. Yeah, they don't know all of no. this competition. Yeah, I don't know it's just kind of an interesting are. dynamic. But anyways. Yeah, that's it's weird. But that is a very, I think, big reveal mm-hmm. that it's not just Kale, it's not just the king, it's not just Dorian or Duke Parrington. Mm-hmm. Kane knows. Yeah. And so it, I think it's pretty logical to... And to, probably Varian, too, since right, he's to there. To deduce, though, that Duke Parrington has communicated yeah. to Kane because why else would he know? Mm-hmm. That's the Duke's champion. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting um, when Kane comes up to them, it it says that Nehemia, her eyes were narrowed, but her lips were strangely slack, which tells me that she wasn't afraid of Kane. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting because he's like this very like looming, ominous figure, this huge guy um, who seems to be posing a threat in some way to Selena because of the way that she is like tensed and re- reacting to him. Mm-hmm. But Nehemia doesn't seem as bothered by that, which I thought was another tell. I don't know. Yeah. But Nehemia does, I think she does a really nice job of, of sensing... Lillian's like discomfort in the situation yeah. and that she's unsettled and that she's about to explode. Right. Something's going to happen. She's like, we should, we should go. Yeah. We have and somewhere to go. Yeah. We need to go and like takes her hand mm-hmm. and leads her out. And so I, there was a couple of just commentary things on that. Like I think that Nehemia in her experience knows what it's like to feel persecuted or antagonized, but not be able to respond the way sure. that you want to in public. Mm-hmm. You know, she's had this rumor to be supporting these rebels, and so it's a way of, like, supporting something in quiet or in secret. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's she been in situations before where she hasn't been able just to come out and say what she wants to say. I mean, she's more or less... She's, she's being called a guest right now, mm-hmm. but... For all intents and purposes, she kind of feels like a hostage. Like a here. political hostage. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. There it's it's not too far off from that at least. And so then Selena also has some realization in, in leaving that the the book says that Selena had the feeling that she could get used to this kind of companionship. Yeah. Like it had been a long time since somebody had been there to have her back. Mm-hmm. You know, and taking her hand and leading her out. Yeah. And so, and she could get used to it. Um, so I felt like that was some important, like, character development. Because yeah. she's been pretty walled up. And now she's got... I, I just made the comment, Selena does not feel cared for. Although she has lots of prospects of people that will care for her. Yeah. Like they're kind of these emerging relationships of people that are willing to like look out for her. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about her life so far. It seems like she's been having to take care of herself for a long time, you know, since she was eight and thrown into the ways of the assassins and um, the king of the assassins was looking out for her, but only really to benefit himself right not really for the good of selena 
you know, and yeah. she probably feels at least with Nehemia, potentially with Kale or Dorian, like that they actually care for her and not what she can do for them. Yeah. It's not so much of a used type of dynamic. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. So yeah, they crisis averted in the courtyard. Nehemia. Yep. You know, diffuses its situation and helps remove. Selena out of that or Lillian from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we bounce over to Kale, right? A Kale POV? Yep. And Dorian? Yep. So they're watching what? They're watching Selena, Selena kind of. Yeah, she's training. Her, yeah, channel some negative emotion into <laughs> this practice dummy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's training and just hacking away at this dummy. And yeah. Yeah, it gives. They're just kind of watching up mm-hmm. in the mezzanine, and I guess it gives them an opportunity to kind of catch up with one another. Yeah. Just talking through, I think, hey, do you really think that she can win the competition? And Kale's response is interesting. It says, um, I think if she doesn't get too riled and keeps a cool head when they duel, she might. But she's wild, unpredictable. She needs to learn to control her feelings, especially that impossible anger. And I mean, yep. he's he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of what fuels her, but... But we know that she can channel that anger into performance. Yeah. Right? We saw that when... Um, and all, like, a lot of the competitions that she's already competed and done well with, it was anger that fueled that. So I don't think that anger is necessarily a hindrance to her, but Kale sees it as that. Yeah, I think Kale does, but and he's also speaking about the in the context of a duel with Kane. Yeah, he might see Kane as like a different tier of competition, and thinking you need to be the cool operator against him, but. Obviously, I think that's pretty par for the course for Kale to make that assessment too. Yeah. Is like, you've got to find it and channel it the right way. Mm-hmm. I will say Dorian got some, I'll give some kudos to Dorian because just before then he's complimenting the work and yeah. the progress that Selena has made from a physical standpoint. She looks a lot healthier. She's sure. training really well. She looks really strong and he's, He's like recognizing that and giving Kale props mm-hmm. um, without hesitation. Yeah. And I think that's really humble and just kind of cool to see in they're not guarded with one another so much. Like yeah. I'm too prideful to recognize that you're doing a good job. Yeah. Like because that could come across as like insincere. Yeah. You know, but he's being very genuine about it. I mean, I and think on the flip side, he could be like Mr. Royal, like, yeah, this is your job. You're, I'm not going to compliment you at all. Like, yeah. I like this from Dorian yeah. being just like, you're doing a good job, man. I agree. Um, I mean, he, Dorian could have chosen anyone to train Selena. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think that he would have chosen someone he didn't think could do it. And obviously he like, Kale is his best friend. He trusts him. He trusts his ability. Um, so it makes sense that he would choose Kale to train Selena. Um, anyways. So, yeah. And then Knox comes up 
and starts training with Selena as well, um, which is a normal thing at this point. But Dorian hasn't seen that and he kind of gets defensive a little bit like, wait, what's going on? Um, Which kind of shows his hand that he's maybe a little bit jealous that Selena is... Yeah. About Knox, but Kale has a little bit more experience. And he's like, yeah, this is normal. This yeah. is good for her to have like an ally yeah. and somebody to kind of have her back in the field of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I mean, maybe he just didn't realize it, but that was the one that, for, I guess from his perspective, that was the same guy that Selena saved in the rock climbing competition. Yeah. Like at least maybe remember like he... That's the same guy. Maybe he's just really grateful. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's being a little territorial. A little bit. Um, and... I, yeah, I have a question for you. Do oh, you okay. think that Kale <laughs> thinks... This is just an, an aside. Do you think that Kale really thinks that Selena is dangerous for Dorian? Like, do you really think he believes that or do you think he is territorial? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, you really think that he believes that Selena is a danger or a threat to Dorian still? At this point, I think Kale is still a little closed-minded about Selena. I think that he, like... He, he's starting to get to know her better. He trusts her at some level, but still like he still has that inner tur- turmoil of feeling like... Of how he feels about her? Yeah, just as a person. And so like his logic is going to say she's an assassin. She's Adderland's assassin. And I don't want her close to the crown prince because she could kill him. Yeah, well, do you along those same lines, do you think that he has the same feelings for himself? Like, Selena is also a threat to me. I don't know. I think he's maybe a little prideful about his his ability to protect himself. That's why he, when he... <laughs> what's that face? I just think that he's like... When when he comes up in, in the mezzanine and he's like, I hope... He's, he's thinking to himself. Yeah. He's like, yeah, maybe Dorian will see that she's actually really dangerous. Like, see how, see how aggressive she is in her training life. Yeah. And I'm processing, you I'm think like, like, do you really think that she's a threat to Dorian? Like, she's just going to off and just snap his neck. Yeah. Like, does he really believe that? Or is he still wrestling through things? Or does he say that because he's supposed to say that and he doesn't really think that she's a threat to Dorian? Yeah. But if I say that he's a threat or she's a threat to you, I can sequester her off to myself. I don't don't think that, I don't think so. I think, and I, obviously I've read further in the books, so I know kind of Kale's perspective, um, which is, I think one of the reasons like his character is so controversial and readers like liking him. (laughs) Um, if you've read into these stories, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, at this point I do, I, I do think he truly believes that she could still be a danger to him, even though we as readers can see 
the perspective of mm, he kind of likes her and is, um, I don't know, letting his guard down around her more. I still think he has that inner turmoil. Okay. So. Well, interesting. <laughs> yeah. An interesting deal. So they move on from the the training session, right? Um, yes. And it, it fast forwards a few days, and then it turns out we have this scene with Selena and Kale are in the library. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. reading. And... But more along the lines of research and yeah. study as opposed to just reading for for pleasure right. or leisure. And she's, again, the it's the word marks. It's, she's trying to play a little bit of investigator. She's trying to figure out some of the history. What do these mean? They keep popping up. It was at the, it's at the clock tower. It's at this murder thing. Like, she's seen them. She's been in the, the, the tomb, right? in these the crypt or whatever you want to call it and and there were word marks there so it's just got her goat and she's like i've got to figure out what's going on here kale seems fairly disinterested he's just kind of chaperoning her in the library right which perturbs her a little bit but um i did catch a little little point where like she's gets caught up into thinking about him yeah as opposed to just what she's reading yeah well she got frustrated and then she started thinking about him. Yeah. But it does say uh, that Selena supposed that she liked him. <laughs> There's a, I, liked, I just highlighted that. I, I so she's that like too. She's like coming around. She's <laughs> like, I think I like you. She yeah. doesn't say it aloud, but she's, she's I mean, and it. we, as again, as the reader, we can see their relationship developing and that obviously they like one another because they tease one another and have conversations and have meals together, et cetera. Like you just don't do that with people you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And it's interesting because like, was it at this point? I don't know. It might have said it a little bit later in the chapter, but like she notices usually it's just his guards that are accompanying her right. to the library. Like, yeah, but it's him. And today he chose to sit in there with her, mm-hmm. even though there's plenty of things for him to be doing with all of the murders going on. And so she's like thinking about that as well and being like, hmm. She smiles to herself about that. Yeah. Which it may sweet. even say like her heart skips a beat or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think so. Goodness gracious. <laughs> she has no control of herself. No, she's a teenage girl. Yeah. There is, <laughs> I don't know how much exposition we need to get into in terms of the lore or the, what she kind of reads here because there's, I think it's at like there's, it's kind of an alphabet. It's there, no, but there are yeah. words. It's kind of retied, it tied to like, like a religion, there's this mm-hmm. supposition that it's the the some books claim the word is the force that holds together and governs Aurelia. Yep. But also other worlds too. So there's like lots of things going on here, but it doesn't seem like there's anything that you just pin down and say this is the definitive. Yeah, and I think truth. that's where her tr- frustration comes in. Because she's doing all this research and we get the idea that she's been coming to the library and like looking into this for some time now. 
And she's learned all of this stuff about word marks um, and the history of them, but not learning what she specifically wants to know, which is like, why are they here at the castle? Right. And why are they at the murder sites and what do they mean? Mm-hmm. How do I read them, et cetera? Even from the standpoint of, of the history, why, why weren't these wiped out with right. all the other magic that was supposedly yeah. wiped out here just recently um, as, as far as the grand scheme of things? Um, there is a, they start to kind of have a little bit of dialogue back and forth. And he's like, what, what have you found or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, and she's, she, uh, this just says, quote, no, yes, it's interesting. There's some theories suggesting the mother goddess is just a spirit from one of these other worlds and that she strayed through something called a word gate and found really a need of form and life. And so there's like a new word, a word gate. Word gates. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have word marks, we have word gates, it being attached to magic, it being attached to like religion. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you have fantasy, worlds, gates, religion, magic. They're all kind of circling the same like thought for her. Yeah. And they're all kind of converging, but they haven't just like come into focus. Right. Is the picture that I'm getting. And like, I think that's probably coming if I'm the writer that's coming. Yeah. Um, Because she has to be somewhere within that too. Yeah. And I do want to kind of touch on the word gates because it goes in a little bit more in depth. Um, What she learned about them. It says the gates were both real and invisible things. Humans could not see them, but they could be summoned and accessed through the word marks. They opened into other realms, some of them good, some of them bad. Things could come through from the other side and slither into Aurelia. It was due to this that many of the strange and fell creatures of Aurelia existed. So, I don't know. I know as a Sarah J. Maas reader that she doesn't just throw in these details for nothing. So these word marks, sorry, the word gates um, are probably going to be important going forward because there's like, at this point in this chapter, like three mentions of them, two full paragraphs describing what they are. Um, and they're tied directly to word marks. So mm-hmm. anyways. But it can be, just to clarify, it can be a physical thing, like a physical doorway or a physical mm-hmm. thing, but it can also be opened up like apparently out of, out of nothing, out of apparently nothing. Is that what that was hinting at? Like, like apparating in Harry Potter? I'm thinking of like a portal. Yeah. Like we just started watching The Witcher, right? Like the right, portals that they like, make. Okay. So, it, but it, like you get the imagery of like it could be conjured up. Yeah. Like using a word mark or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um. Anyway, so then she continues um, looking at her stack of books. This random book comes up. Um, in her stack and I say random because she doesn't remember actually like picking it up and bringing it over to their table Um, but it's called The Walking Dead and in it are like these grotesque illustrations um, and she wonders to herself how the book escaped the burnings Um, and then she's like looking at these pictures of these monsters and 
then she like heard something as she was looking at this book and she gets pretty scared it seems like mm-hmm. um as she's a reader like, you're thinking like what the heck is going on yeah <laughs> and then um she asks kale like did you hear anything mm-hmm. because she heard like this a guttural noise like an animalistic noise like a I don't know if it was like a scream or a screech or a growl or uh, I have no idea. And Kale was like, when are we leaving? <laughs> like he's not interested in that. And then he scares her and like makes a sound with his sword, like a scratching noise. And she gets angry and walk, walks out <laughs> of yeah. the library. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Cause he was, he just wanted to leave and yeah, she was like fed up with it anyways. Yeah. But that is a little bit ominous with whatever the walking dead book, mm-hmm. like did it conjure up those noises or was that just a coincidence or was it in her head? Yeah. I don't know. Versus what she was just hearing with Kale's actual scraping on the floor. Yeah. That sort of thing. It could also be a little technique by the writer to say, like, it got a little close. You're playing hot and cold. It's like hot, 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 hot. And then go cold just with some comedic relief. Yeah. With Kale. So I I suppose time will tell. Sure. But there's your chapter 27. There you go. Cool. You want to roll on forward? Sure. Chapter 28. All right. This one is a fun one. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um, Selena and Dorian have a game night and Dorian is falling hard and fast. Sure thing. <laughs> Lover's game. Oh, that's cute. Here we go. Here a little chapter. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think it's later that night maybe. I don't know. It doesn't really say, but anyways, it's later and Selena is bored and not tired enough to go to sleep, but too tired to read and she goes into the game room and starts trying to play billiards. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which is like pool. Yep. Is that just, is it the same game or is it a different game? I imagine there's somebody that would come no, in here they- and like fight us if we said they were the same game. I They'd don't be like, know. Are you kidding? They're absolutely different. I have no For idea. some reason, something is coming to my mind about like one of the games has pockets. Yeah. For the for the at the corners and sides and one of them doesn't or something. Really? I think there's like different billiards tables that just have all the sides. There is a hole. It okay. says it. I would say in this context, billiards and pool are the same thing. Okay. But anybody <laughs> Maybe S J M didn't know either. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Anyways, it's a billiards table sure. and she is terrible at it. If you can believe it. Yeah, and I may have just been making stuff up, but anyway. Well, she's not good. She can't hit the ball straight. It won't like go and anywhere. Being deadly precise with archery yeah, and which is interesting. And everything else. She can't quite seem to figure this one out. Yeah. And but like, she, it, it makes sense to me that like she's stressed out. She's got a lot on her mind. And it's like, man, these people are dying. Like, can you even go to sleep? Yeah. I mean, I, I know that there's like a privacy thing and you, you have guards outside. I, I might be like, can you stay inside? 
Like, I don't know if I want to go to sleep. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, sure. Um, anyways, so she gets really frustrated and starts screaming at the ball, I guess, or the Yeah, <laughs> the this stick. is some great imagery. It's awesome. I'm going to just read it because it's hilarious. It says, a shriek of rage ripped from her throat and Selena ran over to the pocket. She first screamed at the ball, then took the cue in her hands and bit down upon the shaft, still screaming through her clamped teeth. Finally, the assassin stopped and slammed the three ball into the pocket. So great. (laughs) She's like throwing a temper tantrum. And yes, you can. Listeners, this man on the mic, literally in college, he was playing FIFA. And I don't know what was wrong with your FIFA game, but he went outside did you throw the control outside or did you throw it inside? Outside. You mm-hmm. threw the remote outside and broke it. Mm-hmm. And then him and his roommate decided we're going to take a chair and we're just going to smash it to get your anger out. Yeah. Well, we had some oh, anger issues. Yeah, you did. And at least we weren't <laughs> playing against each other at the moment. That is true. Because when one of us would suffer a loss... At the hand of the other, it, it was it was tough. Ugh. But yeah, sometimes FIFA could be infuriating. Oh my gosh! But anyways, yeah. So you can definitely relate to this. Yeah, which is ridiculous that you and can. So when but... you have a lack of control, you just channel all your anger into, anger into controlling something. So that's <laughs> Selena. That's what Selena was doing. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so then we get a POV switch into Dorian. He was able to witness that tantrum which is awesome and he is like poking fun at her Mm -hmm. and she's obviously embarrassed um it's after 10 o'clock yeah dorian him and his late night business (laughs) (laughs) of course he's got like a lonely tower apparently i know so he's he's probably feeling very alone as well yeah and we i mean we talked about that earlier but um yeah, so he is there, I think, for some company, but then finds her in this, like, state and just kind of pokes fun at her. And um, he so cliche. He's like, let me show you how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, like, you, I mean, obviously, like, you get the picture of him, like, coming up behind her and putting his arms around her and showing her how to yeah, no, like, like hold this, the stick like right mm-hmm. <laughs> and which and is she just loves like it though. she does oh my gosh she can't get enough um but they're both a little bit embarrassed about it it says like she was as red as he if not more so and um mm-hmm. i anyways. wrote i roll on this page like three times you did <laughs> yeah just for my own reaction. I just put classic. Sure. So I don't, also, I don't it, think that you've ever done that to me though. No. I'm pretty capable for, hey, with for sports. A, for, a but physical, for a physical touch kind of gal. Yeah. Maybe I should show you how to do some sports. <laughs> but anyways, I do like how he's he's just getting to know her though because he's like, you're immensely entertaining when you're hopping mad. Yeah. Like which is probably very true. Yeah. When people are all emotional, you're like, oh, it's fun. That's so great. Yeah. Like poking fun at her. But um, yeah, so then they just play the night away. Yeah, they play and they talk. To the and point where she's like, 
deliriously falling asleep in an armchair. I know. And he like helps her to bed. It's really sweet. So there's not much going on in this chapter other than just kind of the development of their relationship. Um, They obviously are like interested at least on some level in each other, Mm -hmm. even if it's just physical. But yeah, there's some key things though, like in being able to like let your guard down and just be yourself. Sure. And it, it appears that both of them are being able to do that, at least to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. He won every game, yet she hardly noticed. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's just one of those things where if you're hardly noticing, your guard's down, you yeah. feel comfortable, you're just being yourself. So, yeah, I'll take that for what it's worth. Yeah. And then I think the biggest thing I wanted to point out was when Selena had fallen asleep, in the armchair, he just like was kind of staring at her and thinking about her. And it said that she was a mystery, like her past. And it said he wanted to know everything about her, mm-hmm. which is sweet. Yeah. I don't know. He does. He wants to know everything about her. And when you really like someone, like that's what you want. You want to know them. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse. He, yeah. he doesn't seem to even care. He's like, I don't know what our past was like. I just want to yeah. know. Yep. Anyways, there you go. Chapter 28. Do you have Are any you, other thoughts? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, how do we miss this? I'm a little surprised. Okay. Like, he doesn't know whether she's actually asleep or not in the bed. And he says, good night, Selena. Oh, yeah. And for the first time in the book, he uses her name. There you go. Dorian. And it said it came off his tongue nicely. It sure did. (laughs) He's so sweet. I love Dorian. So anyways, I think that's a wrap on chapter 28. Sound good? Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving on. Chapter 29. We get a little test test action in 29. Yeah? Yep. Cool. What you got? Um, I said, Selena breaks away from the mediocrity and Coltane continues her scheming. Cool. You ready for this chapter title? Yes. I love it. <laughs> it's, how do you like them, Yapples? Oh my gosh, that is so cheesy. No, it's so good. That's it's cheesy, babe. and cheesy <laughs> and it's relevant to this chapter. It is. You did a good job. It's spectacular. It's still cheesy. Anyways, okay, so... Everybody loves cheese. (laughs) You're right. Everybody. (laughs) That was a cheesy line, too. Okay, Um, so we're in the test, and basically it's a sparring test. Um, So the... What's his name? I don't know why I forgot. The Brulo. Sorry. Brulo. Theodis. Um, puts, pairs them up and, um, the first like scene is Selena watching Kane, um, take down Grave. Mm-hmm. Handles it. Yeah. Handles him pretty well. And Selena is just like staring there and she's by Knox and then Varen comes up and starts taunting her and she like 
snaps back at him and comes off like she's like leaning against the wall and she snaps back at him. Yeah. And then it says Kale and Dorian pushed off from where they were both leaning against the wall and coming closer to the ring. Yeah. They're like, oh, crap. they're like ready to defend her. Oh crap. What's she going to do? Or also, it, back, pull her flashback, back. Flashback. Is Varen the one that was struggling with Knox on the climb? Mm. I don't remember if that was him or Grave. They were both there. Yeah. Why? There's. A, I was just curious because I, I don't. I it wasn't sure if it was Varen. That was the one that had pushed him. Oh yeah. I almost want to go back and 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 see because. Knox might have been the third dude to be like, yeah, like actually watch yourself. Right. Like I owe my life to her because you pushed me off this ledge. That'd be a cool, like full circle for me. What chapter is that? Um, but any, I, I just don't, I'm not sure if you want to, if you want to. Oh, I found it. Find it that was little grave. Section. It was grave that pushed him. Yeah. Varen was there. Yeah. Like he somebody like, was like trapped up in their they're like climbing rope or something and grave and, and very, or I guess grave. Varen passed them and Knox tried to pass grave and then he couldn't okay. because grave like pushed him away or whatever. Okay. And then they got into a tangle again. Man, that's too bad. Ah. <laughs> it just would have been a cool, like little. Yeah, sure. Comeback deal. Cause Knox might've been like, I will actually go to bat for her. Yeah. But anyways, it wasn't. Varen's about to get his anyway. So that's I know. Good. So um they are basically like fighting with each other verbally and Burlo's like, take it out in the ring. Go right now. And Varen's mm-hmm. like confident that he's gonna about to just school Selena. And she's like, no. It's yeah. enough. I'm not gonna pretend anymore. Kale or Kane knows who I am. Varen knows who I am. Like, it doesn't matter. So she doesn't even pull out her weapon. Mm-hmm. Like, they're across the ring from each other. Varen starts, like, he has his sword out. Selena, like, I just get this picture that she just, like, walks up to him and totally takes him out. Just, like, knocks his sword away, kicks him in the chest, and just walks away. That's what I just picture. That's pretty great. It's awesome. And I think it was well well written as well. Yeah. It was like enough description. But short. But not too elaborative. Yeah. And in your left is the reader like, oh yeah. Shoot. It was like a mic drop moment. Yeah. And it says like even Brulo was surprised. It says his face was slack. And she talks to him like, you need to give me some real men to fight and then I'll probably try. Mm -hmm. Which mic drop for sure yeah now here's where the title of the chapter comes in (laughs) because she does stop along her way out of the ring in front of kane yeah she's like here i am like come at me and and he because the little lap dog you know whatever and he says all i hear is yappy (laughs) so how do you like them yapples (laughs) yeah Okay. Anyways, um, I do want to point out as well that Kale did not reprimand her, which is interesting because he has reprimanded her for like showing off in previous tests, but he did not do so at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's a little bit of, I need to back off of her. Maybe that's some of like, they got what they were asking for. Maybe it's a little bit of more trust in her. Like, yep, she's going to do her thing at some point. Like, I don't have a strict count on on the competitors, but, you know, they're going to spar whoever did the most poorly are going to be out. We're definitely in her 16 at this point. Uh, from my count, it, it could be fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. um, but something like that. But yeah, we we gotta we can move on from the test. Yeah, and it's just like this is this part of the chapter is pretty short. It's just Selena watching the snow come in, mm-hmm. um, and I just I want to read this sentence because I think it's a little bit telling. It said Selena watched the snowflakes drift from the hills beyond Riffold. They swept. They swept toward her harbingers of the storm that was to come. And I just think that obviously there's a snowstorm coming and that's a literal storm, but also it could be a metaphorical storm coming. Dun, dun, dun. And then it just talks about how she's lonely. Yeah. She does have a little bit of this imagery with the tapestry. Mm -hmm. Like there's the, the symbol for the stag. Yes. It's the symbol of the Royal House of Terracin, and she is from Terracin. She right. was born in, in Orinth, like mm-hmm. the capital there. And so she does make that connection. Like, no matter what happens to me, like, that is always a part of me. And now I'm, I'm kind of connected with Elena. Right, who is also from Terracin. Yeah, like I have this, con- like, there's something deep. Like, I have a connection there. Um. Yeah. Yep. And then the last part of the, or the last sentence of this um, section, it says, find the evil in the castle, but the only truly evil thing in this world is the man ruling it. Mm-hmm. And I just said, then should we start there? <laughs> like, hello? Anyways. Yeah. The last little section of this chapter, I- I'm not really sure what purpose it serves you might be able to i have a purpose for it but i just freaking hate caltane yeah these little asides don't seem to be all that influential i mean is it simply because caltane is ambitious Mm -hmm. and like to show that hey there is this there's this little player on the side that is intentionally written like a character on the side but that is ambitious at every turn with mm-hmm. with with the queen, with Dorian, with Duke Parrington, yeah, she obviously got her her kind of seat at the table, as it were, because of the Duke. Um, he took an eye to her. She's attractive, apparently, mm-hmm. and he's unattractive, bear like guy. Yeah, but he had eyes for her. She kind of made herself available, and that's been her in. To I guess out of obscurity wherever she was, mm-hmm. and now she's in the capital. She's kind of playing the game, right? And she's ambitious. Is that like the only reason? Because they kind of talk in circles. She kind of even fabricates some stuff about Dorian. She's talking to the queen. Yeah, to yeah. to the queen, and false flattery is kind of floating around. Yeah. It's kind of stupid. I know there. There is a reason for Coltane. I can't tell you about it. 
Okay. It does make <laughs> reference. I think I think in some of her other like short POVs or if she shows up in other people's POVs, like like her head is hurting. Like she's got like some kind of ailment. Yes. Where she's she's either sick or her headache. She's got her head. It it makes multiple rounds of that. Yeah. And it says that she wished for her pipe. Like maybe she maybe she smokes to just like if you're a caf- uh, a nicotine addict and you need to smoke. Yeah. To, to get like some kind of relief I don't for think the that nicotine this is fixation like, or something. I don't know. It's opium. I don't know if it's already said that or if it says, says that later on in the okay. book, but... She needs a fix. Yeah. For whatever is ailing her. Right. Whether it's just her a straight head. up addiction or something else. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it Jim in like all the... Cassandra mm-hmm. Clare books that had to have like opium or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he had, yes. Yeah. That's a different world. Different world. <laughs> Shadow Hunters. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, I know, like, I have, again, read this series. So I know Caltain's character, but that, and like the reason she exists. But. That still does not make it any easier to read her point of view. Like, I am just not interested in her. So. Sure. That's it. But basically, I think the point of this section maybe was to say that the queen sees something in Caltain and, like, gives her hope that if she were able to get Dorian's affection, she would actually have a chance at being queen or whatever yeah and maybe it's just like my i guess internal bias towards like motherly affection but i think from the outset of the book i've kind of seen the queen in a she's going to be loving and supportive of dorian yeah she married a monster that doesn't make her a monster kind of person and I don't know, being being willing to associate yourself with just this up-jumped, narcissistic, selfish person really impacts my view of the queen and her judge of character and how deep she is. Like, I just, I'm skeptical. I'm more skeptical at this point of the queen than I am or have been at any point. Yeah. And to support that even more... She seems preoccupied with getting Dorian married at almost, it comes across as like at whatever cost. Like I, yeah. I just need somebody that f- checks the boxes and I need to get my 19 year old married. Yeah. Like to me, all those things are like, you're kind of dumb. Yeah. Like you're kind of stupid. Like, cause every time we see her, she's in some kind of mini court I mean, what other purpose yourself. does a queen have yeah, at this point, Yeah, but that's the though? only context we ever see her in. Yeah. She's never, like, meeting someone in a meeting room or meeting someone in a library or meeting some, like, going to Dorian's chambers and having a real grown-up conversation with them. It's yeah. like, no, we're going to have this troupe of singers and dancers and whatever do their thing, and in between segments, I'm going to, like, shoot the breeze with you and gossip. Like, I'm, I'm losing faith in the queen. Yeah. Whereas at the beginning of the book, I thought maybe Sarah J. Mass has written the queen as a character that did marry a monster. Yeah. And, but she's 
trying to help. Well, and maybe that's just too classic a trope within yeah. fantasy worlds or or medieval like worlds. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But she's got a maybe she just has an error in judgment because Caltain's just narcissistic. Like I, can't I mean, stand I'm sure like though that most ladies of the court are that way. We just don't see that because they're not important to the story. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that the interactions from the queen with other people are probably not that different Mm -hmm. than Caltain's interactions with her. Maybe that's true. I just will push back in in that I feel like Sarah J. Mass as a writer would write something. She'd write some kind of line or some kind of some kind of something that hinted at more depth in the queen if she was deeper. Yeah, well, maybe it's not about the queen. Yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's about Caltain, and that's fine. It's Caltain's POV. But the queen is, and maybe this is too strong of like a patriarchy in terms of the 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 regency. Yeah. It's too much of a man's world or something at this point. Yeah. But the queen is a pretty powerful individual. Yeah. Like maybe she's not number two, but she's kind of like number two. So I'm like, she's the queen. And she obviously has Dorian's ear to a to a degree. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't if you don't have the all the authority, you still can craft a lot of things. You know, if something were to happen to the king, mm-hmm. Dorian becomes ruler. He becomes king. It doesn't yeah. do like this queen regency thing and then it passes on. Yeah. It goes to him. So if the queen was really smart, she would be loving him and currying like genuine favor with Dorian. Yeah. To kind of craft him and shape him in the right way. Elsewise, she would be as manipulative and, and imperialistic as the king is and not care. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't seem to be in full alignment with the king and all of his conquering this and that or whatever. It hasn't gotten into that a whole yeah. lot. Maybe I she's, feel like she's just along for the ride. Yeah, maybe she is just along for the ride. But for me, I feel like a queen is an important character. I mean, we're making out Princess Nehemia to be really important. Yeah. And she's just a princess from a foreign land. You're right. So, I don't know. I don't know what this writer's doing. <laughs> okay. Like, it's a female writer yeah. in a fantasy world. Like, I'm expecting really strong, powerful, emerging women in this. Sure. Not that that means it's some kind of sexism message, but... Yeah. Like, I, that's what I expect. Yeah, I don't know how much you want me to talk No, it's fine, this. but I'm just saying, like... <laughs> this topic... Uh, and I'm completely fine with that. I'm just yeah. saying, like, well, you've got a queen, but she hasn't written her to have any power dynamic. No. At this point. And maybe she just can't, though, because of the king. Anyways. Yeah. That's all. Chapter 29. That is all from chapter 29. <laughs> Which leads us into chapter 30. Yes. What, you, what do you have in chapter 30? Um, let me find it. Uh, okay. Another brutal murder is revealed... And most everyone goes about their business. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I titled this chapter, It Takes Two. 
Oh. Will you explain that when we get to yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Or it may it may have like multiple connection points, but I just put that it takes two. Lovely. Yeah. So here we go. You want to jump on in? You want me to? I can do it. Um. Yeah. So we are in a hallway, I guess. Yeah. They're doing some training. Yeah, it's Kale, Kale and, and Selena. Selena. They're training um, with archery, and um, they're Kale is like trying to teach her. I guess try to help her. I don't know. Yeah, and and whether it's advanced skills or just maintain what you've got, mm-hmm. because she's obviously a prolific archer, right? You know, they're training though. They're staying faithful to it. And yep. she's not focusing very well. She's distracted. Um, and he makes note of that. Yeah. He even like tells her at, at a point like you're go- you're going to miss. Yeah. Like you're not, your stance is wrong. He can just kind of tell. Yeah. And so she's bothered, but they have like a really important reveal. Yeah. So Selena in, in finally tells Kale that Kane knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And it's been several weeks at this point. So we get a pretty significant time jump, I guess, from a couple chapters ago to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that stops Kale and he's like, uh, how does he know? And Parrington must have told him. And then she lies about when he find- <laughs> he revealed that he knows. She says a couple days ago, but again, it had been a couple weeks and then she said, nobody else knows. But I really do think that Varen knows. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe. He, I mean, he was right there. If he was there when Kale, or sorry, when Kane was talking about that with them. Yeah. And he, I suppose maybe it, it's not a lock that he does know. Because he could have been saying all that stuff and just jabbing at her. Sure. Just oh. from competitor to competitor, but anyways, nobody else knows. She doesn't seem to think that anybody else knows. Yeah, but it does. It does say, "Hey, five are dead." Yeah, from from this, and so I, I had made the note. Like I think there's around twelve or thirteen competitors, right? At this point, remaining. Um, but yeah, it's important that well, she not only knows that her identity has been compromised, but that that Kale also knows that. To some degree, her identity's out there. Right. But he doesn't think it matters. Yeah. She's still going to win. Um, and then another guard comes up and says that Kale is needed because there's another body that was found in a servant's passage. And then Kale decides to bring Selena along to prove herself. Yeah. So... So here's a little bit of it because it says Kale had been right uh, as they left, um, as they departed, Selena looked back at the target that she had shot at and yeah. it says Kale had been right. She had missed the center by six inches to the left, just like he had predicted. Yeah. And so she's realizing that. And in the same moment, Kale is like saying, come on, you want to show me how good you are at this? I'm, I'm going to take you along for the ride. Yeah. And so that's where it's like trust but runs both ways. Right. Where And he's kind of putting that forward of like, I'm going to coach you, 
And now I'm going to extend this opportunity for you to come. Like it's yeah. another two ways of trust. Right. Like honesty is a way of, of building trust. And like this whole opportunity right. is a way of, of giving trust. Right. And so that's a little bit, a little bit of it in their relationship that it takes to, to really have a relationship. Yep. So then um, they get to the body and I think it's just as grotesque as the previous one that Selena had seen um, and a similar, the body was kind of mutilated in a similar fashion with the chest cavity missing with those in vital organs. The brain was missing. Um, There were claw marks gouged into the ground on either side of the body there were word marks on either side of the body, um, and it's obviously connected. And it turns out that this is Varen who was murdered, which is mm-hmm. now it doesn't matter that he knows who she is because he's dead. Um. So, anyway, so then they start kind of going into investigator mode, like what kind of animal would have made these marks. Selena starts to look into it and she notices that there's actually no blood in the claw marks, which means that whatever did this sharpen his claws before it tore into Varen, which means that Varen was like trapped there while the animal did that. And, um, how would that have happened he saw it coming, but maybe he didn't see the animal. He saw someone he probably knew who, like, held him there. I don't know. Was that? Yeah. Did I you mean, like there, there was some other evidence. Well? So he couldn't get away because his, basically, it made it sound like his Achilles tendons had been, oh, like, yeah. sliced open and snapped. Sure. So he couldn't move. And so whether he and somebody else were walking through that hallway or somebody confronted him in that hallway that he, he wasn't thinking was a threat. Yeah. One of those two things had to have happened. You know, I'm walking along this corridor with somebody. Okay. And once we're alone, they like attack me. Yeah. And incapacitate me. Mm -hmm. Or I'm, I'm walking through this hallway and that person comes like the other way in the hallway and I'm not thinking anything of it because I know this person right and or or they're a servant or there's somebody that's not a threat right but then they attack me because so he's incapacitated has his Achilles cut and he's left there and so then I'm I'm thinking are these word marks like a like a like a calling Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a death signature after the fact, or they like a call because a human is not doing this. They are looking at this like, no, nah, man, a human is not doing that. So, and, and it doesn't make sense that whatever did it would have done the immobilizing mm-hmm. part because it was a wide open hallway and it was well lit. Yeah. Like all the investigative pieces are saying like, no, somebody left him here like this. Sure. So it's kind of like, ouch, yikes. Yeah. And then it, it reveals that he was probably alive the whole time 
that the thing sharpened its claws while its master watched. And then, obviously... And whether, whether or not its master watched. You don't actually know that. It's I mean, it just like says that. that. But, but yeah, it does say that. But that's pretty horrifying. Yeah. He's talking about, like, how he was trying to claw his own way away. Mm-hmm. He can't get away. So it reveals... I think the biggest thing that it reveals is that there is someone in the castle who is probably, like, in charge of whatever it is that's killing these people. Yeah. Um, and for Kale, that's problematic because it's like, well, now there's an enemy in the walls and we just need to figure out who it is. Um, and obviously that has been true. Like somebody is there killing people, but, um, it was somebody that Varen knew and trusted or at least knew of, was familiar with. So anyways... Um, we get a point of view shift. Maybe it's not a point of view shift, but it's a time shift. Um, later that evening, I guess, Selena was at the dining table. And who is to come in but Dorian? That's right. Yeah. He just loves to visit. Yeah. And she's reading a book, a history mm-hmm. book at this point, and still looking for... Um, information about word marks again like those were at the crime scene mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a brief history of modern Aurelia symbols and powers EOA culture and customs mm-hmm. so she's definitely still in that vein of thought but perhaps with a little more history yeah lean um, but yeah she's she's doing her homework yep and um and it's also midnight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it is late night visit again. There's a test tomorrow. Um, and he sits into, he slides into the seat beside her, his leg brushing hers. You gotta love leg brushing. <laughs> Listen, when you like have a crush on someone though, and you get in really close proximity, you know how that feels. You just die. It's just so like it's like dying invigorating. and invigorating at the same time. Yeah. Anyways, um, she was very aware of how close his leg was, but she couldn't bring herself to shift away. Anyways, man. it's so cute. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, so then Dorian starts talking about the murders, which is super romantic, and. Selena's like, I'm not concerned about myself. Um, Cause she had asked like, why are you walking around in the castle in the middle of the night with all of these things going on? And um, anyways. Yeah. They just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And well, and their conversations tend to either be really brief or, or when they're long. Yeah. They tend to just kind of, flow from yeah. like topic to topic yeah to topic. it's either very like brief okay bye yeah or it meanders and this one does that yeah because it starts with the whole like what are you doing you're reading oh there's murders going on why are you walking around at night yeah. oh yeah you're going to demand and tell me what to do okay and then it shifts to this conversation about he, he's got a um in the kennels he's yeah. got a fresh set of pups that have yep. been born and he was hoping for 
purebred purebred pups, but they're some mongrels. Um, And that's just kind of a a new... We already know that he's got an affection for For dogs dogs, like when they originally came from uh, Endovier. Yeah. He had his dogs with him and Selena had a really good interaction with them, which kind of took him by surprise. But anyways, it kind of re asserts that Dorian has like an affection right an interest in dogs yep. and in hounds whether it's for hunting or whatever it is um but they have a little bit of banter back and forth about that and yeah and he, he wanders and changes subject and he's like well why do you look so disheveled aside from the fact that it's midnight yeah and she's like, I can't sleep, and he can't sleep either. And then he asks her to play the piano, and she's like, no. And then they start kind of getting to know one another a little bit. He's like, can I ask a question about your past? And he says, I don't know anything about you, which ties back. Like the last time he had his late night visit, at the end, he did say he wanted to know everything about her, and now he's here asking which is cute so he asks um well he's asking about the piano yeah and he's complimentary you played so beautifully right and starts to kind of yes pry like well why not why don't you want to play you play so beautifully is it is it because it brings up memories memories of your parents and she has like this metaphorical door. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I want that closed off, whether it's who it's about or what specific memories. Mm-hmm. Um, she just wants that like close the door, lock it, throw away the key type of thing. Yep. And, but he's reaching. And so in this whole like scene, it's like, is she going to like reach back? Yeah. And so he finally does get her to be like, well, can I just ask you? One question. Right. And he asks, why do you like music so much? And she says that that's sensitive. Mm -hmm. I was expecting a different kind of question, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so she ends up telling him, because when I hear it, I lose myself within myself, if that makes sense. I become empty and full all at once, and I can feel the whole earth roiling around me. When I play, I'm not for once. I'm not destroying. I'm creating. I used to want to be a healer back before I became my profession. When I was almost too young to remember, I wanted to be a healer. Music reminds me of that feeling. And then she says, I've never told anyone that. Yeah. Which I think, like, if you are someone who, who's, like, main like experience is just killing people and taking life away. Like I think it's, there's something to be said. Like I just want to not do that. Like I want to like bring peace. I want to heal people. I want to put something together rather than take it apart. So I think that's a really deep answer from Selena about music. Absolutely. And I think, she has the appreciation for the contrast, like you said. She yeah. knows what destroying is. Yeah. And so there's that much more appreciation for being able to create. Right. Um, and there's there's that, that kind of trade-off, almost that w- 
when you know what death is, you can truly appreciate life. Yeah. And she gets to kind of embody that through when she's playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, that is personal. That's yeah. like a deep answer. But right. she, to her credit, he's reaching. She does reach back a bit and, yep. and gives him a real answer uh, to, to his first question before she gets her turn. Yep. So then she asks him a question and she asks, why isn't he married? Right. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm 19. Like, why would, why would I be married at 19? And she's like, well, you're the crown prince. And he says, I can't stomach the idea of marrying a woman inferior to me in mind and spirit. It would mean the death of my soul. Mm-hmm. And so they go back and forth. Like Selena is making this. I mean, it's pretty logical. Like you're a prince. It's a legal contract. Like you can just love other people on the side. You don't have to love the person that you're married to mm-hmm. as a prince because that's like your job basically is to produce heirs with your queen. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, that's just not his idea. Um, he says, you marry the person you love and none other. And then she's laughing at him and he calls her out on it. And she says, cause you, you get the feeling at first, like she's pushing on that. Yeah. But she like shares his ideals is what I took from it. But she's playing the devil's advocate. And I don't know. That she does. I thought that she was just being really good at kind of pretending. No, I don't think so. You really think that she's just cold and callous like that? Well, I think that she sees... she's got those interesting marriage ideas? I don't know if that's truly who she is deep down, but I think in this moment, yeah, I think she's like, you're a prince and you need to marry for whatever to get ahead or to have mm-hmm. alliance or good, something. I do think she makes a good point about what you just said about an alliance. Like you have the ability to create a different future yeah. based on like if you had the right partner, right? which I think could r- relate or hint at Nehemia, like knowing sure. the conflict on the continent and, and everything. So I do think that, but I was taking, because she was laughing at him, I don't know. I took it to be, she was laughing more along the lines of, yeah, I know I'm like really pushing your buttons. Yeah. I like, I, I know how you feel. Like you marry the one you love and that's what it's about. Versus she's laughing because she just got him riled up and, you know, everything. I felt like she was more or less playing the devil's advocate there, but I, I could I be. I don't know. It says. You, I he, could be off. She says, like, you deserve to be laughed at for such foolish thoughts. I spoke from my soul and you yeah, speak so only from selfishness. Yeah, so how in the world is Dorian going to, 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 to be with Selena? What do you mean? Like, you're so d- gung-ho about Dorian. I love Dorian. Yeah, that's great. So why in the world does Selena deserve him? Like, he said his main <laughs> concern was, I cannot stomach the thought of marrying somebody who's inferior to me. In in mind, and spirit, and, and spirit, and obviously and how, they are of can, the same mind and spirit. No, they're not. Obviously, is what well, you're I mean, making. I you're, think, you're proving my point no, that no, they don't no. have the I same ideals. I think when ideals, he says that they don't have the same mindset, and she's the one who's cheapening the idea of marriage. 
I think when he says that in mind and spirit, just like the wit and cleverness, I don't think it's when he said that he didn't know what she was saying, but I do think he was meaning like, <laughs> anyways, I'm not going to go what into it. What are you it. talking about? I'm not going to go into it. Okay. Like um, she obviously has a sharp mind in it. Yeah. In a, and is heavily, highly I don't spirited. Think, I don't think at this point that, listen, I don't think at this point that Dorian is thinking that he's going to marry Selena. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're not honest with somebody about your ideals. Like if you and I were in high school talking about marriage ideals, and even if we didn't think we were going to get married, you would still be honest with me about your marriage ideals, just like I would be honest with you about mine. Yeah. And they should align with one another. Whether you're looking at that person as marriage material or not. Okay. So like he's talking about like, I don't want to marry somebody who's not deep mentally right. or spiritually. And I don't think he's like trying to belittle the female sex. I think he's belittling the women of the court. Yeah. Who just come in there angling and they're just, they're the daughter of some noble or whatever. And it's just a... A, a, a game for politics. I agree with He's that. He's like, I want somebody that's deep of mind and of spirit. And she's kind of throwing that back in his face like, who gives a crap about that? You now, just need to get married yeah, for I political purposes yeah, and have an heir. I don't think that she's belittling that idea, more so belittling the idea of I can only marry someone who I love. Because she's saying, like, that's not the point. Like, you can love someone and cherish someone of your same mind and spirit on this side of this yeah, legal thing. Yeah, but that's thing. also just such garbage. I like, know. Just get married, Dorian, and do it and have yeah. a kid. And so then you can have a little harem oh, yeah. on the side, little playboy. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> that's so ridiculous. And these monarchs that think that they're entitled by divine right to rule... Yeah. Like that is the exceptionality of being a monarch is like I have divine right. Mm -hmm. I should marry somebody that is like divine. Yeah. And like we are superior to the people. Mm -hmm. I'm not endorsing that. Right. But I'm like Dorian has I think the right mindset of I don't just want to marry because of status like I want the best yeah I'm not disagreeing with him or you I'm just Selena is not a proud moment right here okay that's what I'm getting at got it love somebody on the side Dorian I think that's just to be fair again though I think that's just the norm and she's just saying like that's the norm not that it's right, Man, obviously. No. I'm just, just saying I think that's it. part of the norm of that culture anyways. Yeah. I can't I can't speak my full mind without spoiling things, so I'm not going to. Okay. Kale would be on, <laughs> on Dorian's side here. He'd Do you like, think? He'd be like, you're an assassin. Of course you'd think that way. Go to bed. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it's just not a proud moment for Selena. Okay, that's fair. Um. Anyways. So then she does challenge him, to be fair, though. Like, you, and you've mentioned this a little bit, but um, you have the 
like you're in a position where it's possible for you to change Aurelia for the better. You could help create a world where true love isn't needed to secure a happy ending, a world where men govern themselves. And Dorian's like, you're speaking of anarchy and treason. And she's like, you can call me a traitor all you want. I'm already a convicted assassin. Mm-hmm. And it's re- it's really just an interesting conversation that we probably won't unpack on like on a on on the podcast but yeah it it says a world where men govern themselves and it's like well a a man is governing Mm -hmm. so at what level do you want a man or a woman governing because it's that's going to happen somewhere yeah like like there's a lot of flack for is she talking about democracy though rather than a monarchy that's how she, I she took could, it. She could be, but she says where men govern themselves. I think she's just talking about people. Yeah. But uh, but at some point, there is governance and there is leadership or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she uses the word man, man, woman, whatever. There's a lot of flack for the word like patriarchy, right? And and like, so I got really hung up in this. Like I was really agitated when they were talking and having this conversation. Obviously. So I like stopped <laughs> and was doing a little word study on... Okay patriarch and patriarchy and i mean we could like go down (laughs) into it but it's talking about the head of a family like patria it's like greek it has to do with the the head of a family the head of a household Mm -hmm. and patria and and like part of that word entomology is talking about family Mm mm-hmm so it's not so much of this today it's negative connotation is it's just a man's world right and it's the patriarchy. Right. And it's the old white dudes. It's just a patriarchy. Yeah. And okay, common context, that's, that's what, that what the word means. Yeah. But if you actually unwind the clock, the word is talking about to lead a family, like the head of a family. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't like that it has such a negative connotation because we we can say people have a, a maternal instinct Mm-hmm. Right, more along a, a matriarchy would be like where the the women are looked to to provide right. wisdom and governance, or whatever. And that's very like and that, cultural, right? And that, but but from that we derive the word mother, mm-hmm. mater, or father, father, like mm-hmm. pa- patri- patriarchy. Yeah. And and so, anyways, I just got really hung up in this because leadership's a big deal to me, and I, I'm like, man, Dorian's the one who's actually talking about the real ideal. Like, you don't marry just for status. Yeah. And he, he's, he's at least having an ideal. Sure. As a prince, as somebody who is the heir apparent, who is going to be the king, at least he has some convictions about like, you should marry for love because if you marry for love, then you have a real foundation Mm -hmm. to, to, to know who you are, to know who your spouse is so that your kids grow up in a loving home in that, you're not playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes and you can just lead. Thank you, Taylor. You know, it's true <laughs> because he's seen the non-example. He's yeah. seen the monster that his dad is mm-hmm. and he's seen the dysfunction of his relationship with his dad, the dysfunction of his dad's relationship with Holland or whatever his name is often yeah. boarding school or wherever he's off at right. and kind of distance from his mom like, yeah. I think that he's like, no, I see this. Yeah, and I this think this is what I want. I think the point of this is to 
solidify in Dorian's character that he is different and that with him next in line for leadership, there is going to be a shift in the norm, I think. That's the point. Okay. I mean, I definitely think that he is different. He has he yeah. has different perspective. He has a different ideal. You know, he's he has some humility with the people that he's around. And we don't see that from other characters like Caltain and from Duke Parrington or mm-hmm. his dad. He's got a like a real affectionate side to himself in the way right. that he treats people. So I I agree with that. Um and I don't know, I guess we'll see in, in future chapters and stuff like that. But all the while, they're like, are they still not like kind of snugged up in this couch situation? I think they're just at a dining table. I, I thought don't think they, they're on a couch. Man, I missed something. Anyways, <laughs> she's not all like leg brushed up and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, right? they are. But I think it's just like, like, you know how sometimes when you have a table... You have like a bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just reading this. It says he saddled close to her and his fingers brushed hers. And he's like, you can't resist the opportunity to respond to everything I say, can you? Yeah, I think and she felt restless, table. but at the same time, remarkably still. Yeah. Something was brought to life and laid to sleep in his gaze. Ooh. Yikes. So anyways. And he I, brings a prize. Yeah. Again. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just wasn't proud of Selena in that moment. Well, that's fine. And I felt like Dorian was not being aloof prince. He was like, no, this is my experience. This is the way I see the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is it. There you go. And I hope that it that is because he is different. And this section closes where she gets kind of hot. She's like, I don't know what to do. So she stands up and is like, let's go play pool. It says billiards. I could use another lesson. Right. Let's divert (laughs) this situation. She very much wanted to stand close to him and have her skin warm under his breath. She liked that. Worse than that, she realized she liked him. That's right. She got it bad. Yeah, they both do. All right. And then last section of this chapter is Kale's point of view and he's basically in the dining hall um doing his thing observing people and specifically he's watching Duke Parrington and the biggest thing about this is that he notices some weird things happening with Parrington's eyes we already know that they're this like weird black color mm-hmm. like his I don't know He's got I, him. It He's got him, and Kane's got him. Yeah, it's hard for me to like picture black eyes without thinking of like again. I brought up The Witcher earlier, but like holy black. Yeah, eyes and I know that they're not like, like he has whites in his eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just can't really picture it very well, but. Anyways, he's noticing that his eyes, like there's like a shadow that kind of comes over them, which makes me think more of the Witcher and like how like Geralt's eyes turn totally black mm-hmm. with no white. Yeah. 
Is that what he's seeing? Maybe so. I don't know. But it is, it's a little vague because they're like glossed over or shadowed over. Yeah. And, and he come is, back into focus. he is looking at him from afar as well. Mm-hmm. So he's like watching him because he sees it once and he's like, what was that? I need to keep watching him and see if it happens again. And then it does. And then he notices Caltane is also watching Parrington, but with more of like a calculating scheming look rather than right. But noticing but anything off, yeah. which she doesn't. She doesn't. And, and so then he does kind of wrestle in his brain like, man, I don't know what the heck's going on with this guy, but he is the number one advisor to the king. Yeah. But really other than just being up other than the duke being pro imperialism, uh-huh. And like going and conquering, there there hasn't been anything else that's like been flags. a red flag or yeah. a warning. So he's like, okay. But still, like the two people that have been explicitly described as they have black eyes mm-hmm. are Kane and Duke, Parrington, and they uh obviously the Duke is the the sponsor right. for Kane and they have these black eyes, and they both have a, this black ring. Uh-huh. It's been said at different times, but they both have yeah. this black ring. I don't know what you would speculate at. I mean, you you are obviously an expert, but, like, I'm thinking there's something magical about these rings. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm thinking that the Guardians or something watch through their eyes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Like, there's some kind of connection, and they're, like, that's the picture I got. It's like yeah. they kind of glaze over, gloss over, and it's like the guardians are like watching. Hmm. I could be way off. Like through their eyes? Yeah, something. Hmm. Like what they see is what the guardians, or the guardians are being able to see what they see. Yeah. Or or if maybe they can see what the guardians can or something like that. Like there's a connection with the darkness. Yeah. With this evil that they're talking about. These two are evil. Well. They're just bad guys. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyways. <laughs> I can't, like, speak to that without giving anything away, so I won't. Um. Anyways, I just think it's weird. Like, Kale says, strange as it was, he had enough to worry about. So he's just, like, writing it off, like, no big deal. But in, in my mind, I'm like, Kale, stop being so stupid. Like, if somebody's eyes are darkening over and over, there's obviously something up with that, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of eerie. Yeah. And he kind of ignores ignores it. <sighs> what a guy. Yeah, but that's how we close that. Yeah, that's the end of our 30. section of chapters. Um, next episode will be chapters 31 through 36. And yeah, we've got thirty-one four through more episodes six left. Chapters. I know. Good grief. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. I know. Maybe we won't be so long-winded. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. I think the last section um gets pretty long as well. I did my best. We're just gonna get through it. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Down the stretch, it'll 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 get 
good with the competition mm-hmm. and with the development of our characters and their relationships too. Yeah. I'm sure we can banter more about who should be with whom and, and why. <laughs> for sure. But yeah. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for I listening. Think I'm married for love. Oh, I know. Me too. Lord help us. <laughs> you say that as if I agree with Selena. Yeah, I don't think you do. No, of course not. Besides, don't defend her so much. Well, whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we would love your support. Um, reading on whatever platform you're listening to. We're now fully on all of the platforms for podcasts, we, I been, think. We've been working on it. Yeah. Well, and at this point, you may be hearing it and be like, what are you talking about? You're, you, I found you on the most obscure podcast yeah. platform there is. I, you know, whatever. But, well, you know, we're novices and we're working on it. Yeah, we so. started off with Spotify and now we're on all of the things. So, yeah. But thank you guys um, for listening again. And if you could rate us and um, follow us on social media at Book Crossed Lovers. We're on TikTok and Instagram. Um, yeah, and interact with our stuff there if you guys want to talk through some of our comments or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Sure would. Yeah. Thanks. We'll see you next Until time. Until next time. Bye.